ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. We are back. We are live on location, I guess. I don't know if we're live on location. I, I still haven't really figured that out yet. Yeah, I never know if we're live or on location or what we're doing. I am. We're here. We're at Blank Slate. Uh, in joined with Tina Cisneros, as you can hear. Yes. And of course, the the man of the day today, Scott LaFollette from Blank Slate. Thank you for inviting us to your wonderful tap room. This is our first time sitting in the tap room to do a show. I think we've had you on the show like twice, this two or three, two or three times. Um, We actually should probably start keeping like a graph of everybody's appearances. I'm working. Start handing out uh, jackets. As, <laughs> jackets as, for everybody. Yeah, as they become necessary. Like, like the Saturday Night Live. Uh, yeah, exactly. Host, host club. Our, our show budget is not ready to start handing out jackets to people. We, uh, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're going to need a whole bunch of sponsors for that. But it's a very exciting day because... What? So I need you to turn my headphones down. Oh, yours? Okay. Yeah, number Sorry. one. Sorry. Is that better? Well, yeah. No, that's up. Up. That's the way Down. wrong direction. We're so unprofessional. <laughs> that, sh- that should be <laughs> fine. Okay. That should be fine. Um, really exciting day because we are here at Blank Slate on their first ever Wednesday open to the public. Um, we've got some expanded hours and uh, days at Blank Slate, which I think people have been really hoping for and looking forward to for a long time. Um, so tell us a little bit about the decision of why you chose to do so, Scott. Well, you're jumping into a very big conversation before we <laughs> even drink any beer. Okay, fine. Never mind. You know we just came up, with, we came up with this really great format for the show. <laughs> That's true. In we which Never mind. we decided that we always start out with drinking. Right. Because yeah, okay. it makes everything right, else we're better. We're going to start with drinking. Um, well, you know that there's a name for that segment. Oh, yes. Uh, we're contractually obligated to play... From the Beer Fridge. I'm trying to work on getting uh, up to all my dad's like buzzwords. We're so terrible. <laughs> Don't drink my beer because I scooted it over in front of you too, so I can get to the board. Okay, I won't. That one's mine. All right. I will so stab your hand ha- with an ink pen. Actually, oh, I don't God, have an ink okay. pen. All right. Um, what do we have here? What should we start with, Scott? All right. So you guys we need ha- we need to start with the the Pilsner, the 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 the, the, the mosaic. Right. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll go we'll go from you know light to dark, you know. We we kind of talked about this. Um, what was the last show that we were sitting there, um, and we said we need to always start the show off with some kind of pilsner or something from now on. Yeah, yeah, you're and right. And so far, every show everybody's had some kind of pilsner on tap, which is which is kind of us. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> yeah. That's been possible, but. Um, yeah. So this is uh, so the first beer would be a pilsner mosaic. It's not actually a pilsner. It is a Kolsch, uh, but it is brewed with 100% pilsen malt. And hit with a lot of late hop mosaic, which would be definitely non-traditional for a Kolsch. So it's, you know, that nice, light, easy drinking beer, but it's got just an extra little layer of, of hop goodness at the end. It's, it's not bitter at all. Uh, it's not, not a big bittering addition. It's just a very late flavor addition of mosaic hop. So it's kind of a nice little addition at the end there. It's, it's really fruity and, and delicious. And what I'm... What I think is fun, because that's what I've been drinking on as I've been setting up here, too. That's what I'm so drinking, too. When it's, when it's really cold, I feel like it's really, really fruity. And as it warms up, some of that fruit starts to kind of fade, and you just you kind of get some of that uh, some of that maltiness out of it, that real crisp kind of biscuity kind of malt. It's it's, uh, it's a fun beer. It's, it's, yeah, it's delicious. I mean, I, I love Kolsch's and lighter beers like that. We don't really uh, do much in the way of Pilsners and things just because we don't really have... Uh, the capacity to deal with it not to say that we won't someday but 
We haven't really done much of those, so you know, a Kolsch is a nice, good summer beer, and a lot of breweries will do a Kolsch or a Blondale as kind of their introductory beer. Um, not to be one to just do the same thing as everybody else or say, kind of said, well, <laughs> we want to do a Kolsch, but we need to do something at least a little bit different to it. Uh, so we we've kind of fell into a little bit of mosaic hops, and we're like, all right, well, there we go. That's what we're going to do. Now, I think um, when we did have you in studio the very first time was right after you first brewed this. Um, and if I remember right, you kind of jokingly said this is pretty much a Mad Tree beer because when you first brewed it, uh, two-thirds of the ingredients came from Mad Tree. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So the original batch, the yeast came from Mad Tree, the mosaic came from Mad Tree. Um, I guess it's only one third them now. So the yeast <laughs> still comes from them, uh, but we the the hops we did find other sources for the hops. But that doesn't mean we won't try to buy some more hops from them at some point if they'll be willing to let us have them. Is it is it always going to be a mosaic hop, or is there ever been talk about kind of doing? Uh, we we certainly could. Um, I've had thoughts about doing it. Most of my focus has been kind of. You know, this isn't one of our core beers or anything, but most of my focus has been trying to figure out a way that we can produce more of this beer. Right. Um, I would really, you know, we kind of do it during the summer, but it's just draft in the tap room. A few kegs go out here and there because we just don't really have access to the hops. Um, I would love to be able to take this beer and turn it into a summer seasonal next year and can the crap out of it. And it's, it's very fun that you can have that conversation now with yourself and decide if, well, maybe I could put this in cans. I have a lot. Because of, you have cans. And we'll, we'll talk. We'll, I have we'll a lot get, of conversations We'll get to myself, that, too. <laughs> most of which should not be shared with anyone but myself. Well, and I think sort of maybe, yeah, maybe because of the, um, you know, sort of limited availability you have of the mosaic hops would be a reason you'd want to do it with other hops. But honestly, I feel like this is a really, really good beer. So, you know, if you... I mean, I understand if you would want to change it for like a one-off, but I, if, I think Mosaic works perfectly. It works I, great. I, but I, I think, I, that I think if, if we if, if it's we, not broken, don't fix it. Yeah, if know? we if we stumble into a little bit of something else that's you know a really really cool hop that that would work, uh, we'll definitely absolutely consider doing. You know, and kind of the way we've named it, it was kind of a thrown together name because basically it was a smash beer so single malt single hop when we first brewed it so it was pills and malt and mosaic hops so we called it pills and mosaic because sometimes you're just not feeling that imaginative <laughs> when it comes to names but by calling it that it kind of does uh tie in nicely if you did want to do some other version right. so you could have pills and mosaic you could have pills and galaxy or pills and motuika or whatever you know so whole melon so it yeah so it does kind of lend itself to maybe we should do a few other ones here and there with some different hops and i think at some point we will it's it's not in the top two or three things on our list to do but yeah I'm, it's always good to have some you know have it out there to hey yeah let's do that today. it's delicious i i i'm in love with this beer I, but I, I this is like the only beer i've been drinking all summer well with well, it when i'm here with it being as hot as it's been it just it seems to go down yeah. really well too yeah especially especially when it's yeah hot in here so for sure all right what's next all right uh so it gets a little hairy from here as far as trying to take you the lightest to darkest but um i would say go to the uh saison to 513 all right um, so this is actually the last little bit. I think we are literally on the last keg of our Cincy Beer Week collaboration beer that we did with Rheingeist, Taft Sale House, and Bad Tom Smith. Uh, so it's, it's a pretty traditional Saison, nothing super crazy in that respect. Uh, but then we added chili peppers. We added a combination of 
poblano, serrano, anaheim, and sweet Italian peppers. But we took all the seeds out. Uh, so when you when you drink, smell this beer, it's like this wonderful, you know, green peppery character to it. Uh, and then when you drink it, you get that same aroma coming through in the flavor, but there's no heat. Right. It's, yeah, it's not. Right. A, it's not a hot pepper beer. You know, mm-hmm. burn your face mm-hmm. off. Your throat hurts for 20 minutes. Pepper beer. So it was actually with the way the Cincy Beer Week beers were put together, and they had this whole big lottery, and you picked a picked a style, then you picked an ingredient, this and that. So when we were kind of putting it all together, we we're like, well, we want you know. We wanted to do the chili pepper beer because that was kind of the way it worked out with the, the options we had. But we just we all kind of said, well, let's show people what else a chili pepper beer can be. You know, most of the time you see chili pepper beers and it's just who can make the most, you know, highest Scoville burn, burn your face off beer. And we were like, well, we really want to celebrate the flavor of the chili peppers and show people that a chili pepper beer doesn't have to be melt your face off hot. Well, it's it's one of those beers. If if somebody put it in front of me and said, "Hey, man, here, you know, try this," I you know, I, I dig in and I smell it first. I would be afraid to take a drink. I'm like, I, I smell the peppers it there. It smells I like know it's gonna that hurt. they're there. And even after I drink it, I, I'm a big fan of what I call the 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 burp flavor. So the the aftertaste <laughs> that you get when you when you burp. Yeah. And when I burp, I get tons of that pepper flavor there too, and it. Again, I'm sitting there and I'm I'm waiting for the heat. I'm like, at any second now, you know, the back of my throat's just gonna light up from some stupid pepper that's hidden in there that you know I can I can smell is there, but it never comes. It's it it, it is kind of a fun celebration of, of peppers. I um I don't know, I I wish more people did some some fun stuff with peppers instead of like you said just making something really hot and um, you know I as much as I think that Fibonacci's caps stout is, is is a fun beer it's it's too hot to drink by itself i have to mix it 50 yeah. 50 with a regular stout so I, I i want more stuff like this yeah, i mean maybe this will sort of pave the way if you know if you will for um you know breweries to kind of get a, a um, another perspective on doing a pepper beer um that people will sometimes really really enjoy the pepper flavor i'm one of those people that you know i'm not a huge fan of like hot pepper beers um and when I and it's sort of the same thing when I smelled it and when I sort of went for the first sip and I had that pepper flavor I was like okay the heat's coming and then it never did and I really appreciate that I don't think I've ever tasted anything like this in my life and the fact that it's a saison is just makes it all the more interesting to me so um, I think it's really really job well done who else was on the the team for this it was uh Rheingeist uh Taft Sailhouse and Bad Tom Smith that's right so when you say you've never had anything like that before but you really really liked it you basically just summed up everything that we try to do with beer. We try to do things that you know you wouldn't expect, you've never had before. They might sound a little weird sometimes, but when you try it, you're like, "Wow, I actually this really works. like that." Yeah. Well, when, it works. It's weird, but it works. Yeah. When when we first which talked is, to which is which would segue to the next beer. When, when, when we first talked to you guys, or talked to you in like August of last year, or whatever it was, that was my favorite part of the interview. Going back and re-listening to it to, to prepare for today was hearing kind of that philosophy from you of, of, of how you how you kind of I guess started on this this path to what you do now where you know taking a style and, and really learning how to brew that style and then saying all right well what do I like about this what do I like about this and how do I put those together into something else and creating something I think that's kind of what at one time what craft beer was kind of founded on and is, is you know 
me and you, your dad, Tina, always argued about styles and if you know the merit of traditional styles versus just kind of sometimes letting it go and just 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 being creative and and being a craft brewer. You know, yeah, I think absolutely. that's and yep. so it's it's fun. Yep. Which one's next? Is it so, my favorite one? So the next <laughs> so the next one is turn for the worst. Uh, this is our sausage spiced Oktoberfest. This is a beer that, when I describe it, sounds like the worst idea. It sounds repulsive. Sounds like the worst <laughs> idea anyone has ever thought of in their life to put into a beer. So we start out, we make a very traditional Oktoberfest base. It's actually a lagered Oktoberfest, which is kind of a big deal for us because lagers are not easy to do. It is a true lagered Oktoberfest that we then infuse with toasted fennel seed, fresh sage leaf, caraway, peppercorn. There's a little bit of rye malt in the recipe. There's just a very, very little bit of smoked malt in the recipe. And the idea is that all those flavors meld into the beer to where it gives the kind of illusion to your senses that you're drinking a sausage. But it's there's no actual meat involved. It doesn't involved. taste meaty at all. There's no, it, there's no so meat involved. No, I, no pigs were harmed in the making <laughs> of this beer. I never know how to describe this to people because I never want to call it a sausage spiced Oktoberfest because I feel like that scares people off. It scares off. people away. It, but it's it the perfect description seem, of what it is. Yeah, it doesn't actually, it's not a sausage beer. Right. It's a sausage spiced beer. Well, but so it, it's all the spices from a traditional sausage put into an Oktoberfest. It's like all of the Oktoberfest spices. It smells like Oktoberfest. It smells like fall. It tastes like like a, no, a sausage. Well, <laughs> like I it. mean, you kind of think <laughs> like, okay, maybe like the, the term sausage spiced beer, you know, making evoking that thought of people drinking a sausage beer would scare people away, but that really doesn't seem like it's been the case the past couple of <laughs> years with you guys, because it seems like you kind of go through it pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's gained traction for sure. Um, and it's like, well, I think once people try it the first time and they kind of get rid of their um, preconceived ideas of what it might be, they really find out that they love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want like a, a flight with every kind of Oktoberfest food beer that you can come up with, you know, the turn for the worst and I, you know, the, the pickle goes from, from yeah. Urban Artifact and it, if somebody could come up with a pretzel beer that didn't taste like fake pretzel... Um, I would want that yeah. in there. You know, I think it'll be a fun little experiment. Yeah, that's a, that's a somewhat tricky one, but yeah. Um, and, and you mentioned pickle. One of the things we do in the tap room, uh, we did it last year and we're doing it this year too, is um, we actually have a, a combination of three different pickle brines that we source from Dutch's Larder. So they make a lot of their own pickles. They have like six or seven different kinds of pickles. I actually took a growler of this beer up there and sat with the chef he pulled out a little sample of all the different brines from the different pickles he's doing. We actually sat and did a pickle brine tasting with this beer to come up with the right combination of pickle brines to serve it with it. So it's actually a blend of three different pickle brines and we'll add just a little bit to the beer in your glass and it ends up tasting like a sausage with relish on it. Now, when you started doing that, weren't you literally just pulling some out of the big jar of pickles that well, was sitting on the bar? So, all right, so there, there, there is a story about how that idea started, and it's a little weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we refined it. You know, we classed it up a bit. Yeah, we... Well, it's it's funny that in, in, in that short span of time that that's where you've gone from, from a jar of pickles sitting on the bar, and what can we do with this? Yeah, yeah. To yeah, yeah, yeah. now you're, you're going there and doing a pickle brine tasting. And I mean, Absolutely. It's, it's, 
Yeah, and, I mean, it's fun because it's fun because you sit and you taste these different pickle brines, and there's certain certain aspects of them that you like in the beer, and certain aspects that detract from the beer. I mean, like you're getting really deep, kind of down into the whole olfactory taste right. sense thing when you're like, all right, I'm actually being, you know, I'm actually trying to pick out different flavor profiles in pickle brine that I'm gonna then add a shot of. To a glass of beer you know, in the tap room. It's so the other, interesting. Yeah, and the, so the other thing that we still might do before we run out this year, I haven't done it yet, just as kind of a lack of time. I want to try, and this is a little tricky for me because I don't like sauerkraut, but I actually want to try a version where we put a little shot of sauerkraut juice in it. So it would be like a sausage with kraut on it. I might have to get somebody else to help me with that one, just because I'll hate it. I know I will because I hate sauerkraut. Uh, so it'll be a little hard for me to sit down and taste like five different sauerkraut brines <laughs> and try to find the one that I like the best because I won't like any of it. So we might have to, you know, recruit a little help on that one. But I, I think for the for the seasons out, I think we're gonna we're gonna probably get a little sauerkraut version of it here too, which is you know you take a really terrible sounding idea and just make it sound even more terrible, which gives me hope that it'll probably be awesome. I'm sure it will be. I, well, I I'm, I'm also not a sauerkraut fan, so it kind of makes me gag a little bit thinking about it. But it does me too, I'll actually. Try. But it's not always about us. I, again, I, I haven't <laughs> I haven't tried the relish either, so I I'm gonna make you, I'm I gonna, need to do that before. I'm gonna I make you tonight. try it before you leave tonight. Up so. next, right, so the, the last, one that so the I have, I was upset that I did not get to try when it was actually here, and I. Heard a rumor that you went and snagged some of this out yeah, of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went and snagged this out of the back. Um, so the last beer we have is Spectral Fire. And Spectral Fire is a really, really oh, interesting experiment. <laughs> so, yeah. But don't worry. Don't worry. It's it's, it's not that bad. I, I shouldn't say that bad. But um, <laughs> So this beer started out its life as a black saison that we, were called, that we had that was called Midnight Terroir. Um, simultaneous to that, we were doing uh, several projects with the Orchids at Palm Court, which is the Five Diamond rated restaurant downtown. When I was there having one of the meetings with them about one of the beers we were going to do, uh, I'm in back in one of their big, huge prep kitchens, and there's a bourbon barrel sitting in the middle of the room. I can't remember what distillery it was, but uh, I was like, hey, what are you guys doing with that? I'm like, well, we just got done doing a private label bourbon. When you do a private label bourbon, you actually get the barrel when it's done. I'm like, well, what are you doing with it? And they're like, well, we're getting ready to make a bunch of hot sauce, and we're going to age it in the barrel. That's, that sounds really cool, you know. So they so they produced an in-house bourbon barrel-aged hot sauce. And cool. I said, okay, well, when you're done with that, what are you going to do with the barrel? And they're like, I don't know, throw it away, like cut it into a planter. I don't, you know, brain, you know, whatever. And I was like, no, when you're done with it, you're going to give it to me, <laughs> and I'm going to put beer in it. And they said, that sounds like the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I said, that's exactly where I want to do it. So six months later, whatever it was, they emptied the hot sauce out. I got the barrel. That Because it was just one orphan bourbon barrel, we couldn't just brew a whole new beer for it. So we had to kind of work with what we had on hand, which happened to be the Midnight Terroir, which is a black saison. So we put a black saison into a bourbon barrel that had held house-made hot sauce from Orchids at Palm Court. How long did it sit in the barrel? Uh, we let it sit in the barrel. I think it was not quite six months. Um, so anyway, so when you smell this beer, it just smells, it smells like, like hot sauce. It smells like hot sauce. <laughs> it smells like straight up Tabasco, Sriracha, where you know, 
I had somebody the other day tell me it smells exactly like Frank's Red Hot. You know, what? I, I, I thought Frank's. Yeah, but but it wasn't any of those. I mean, it was it was a homemade, or if you will, house-made you know concoction that, that orchids made. I don't know what they modeled it after. Um, so you get that in the nose. Uh, you drink it, you get that flavor. You don't really get a huge amount of heat out of it uh, because I think the heat just kind of was, you know, mostly went to the hot sauce. What you're tasting is just kind of what wicked into the barrel and then wicked out of the barrel. Uh, and you also get this just a lo- this little bit of acetic, vinegary uh, sourness to it, which again is just all from from the barrel. Um, so it's a really really interesting beer. It's really weird. It's you know not something you're going to sit down and drink three or four pints of, um, but just the way the flavors melted together because it was a, an absolute crapshoot. I had no idea if it was it was, it was either going to be really good or really bad. <laughs> there was going to be no in between and. It's, it's something that just the way it worked out, I mean, that's probably one of the top three or four most proud beers I'm actually, that, that I'm actually proud to have made because it it's so interesting and it's got so much different depth of character to it. And it's a bunch of different flavors that you would never have at the same time well, it's all one together of those, at the same time. It's one of those beers, too, that it was almost as much the the magic of, of beer that made it versus... Well, yeah, I, I, mean, had, I had no control over it's it. It's not like you came up with some special recipe that you were going to put in this barrel that was going to accentuate the, the flavors that you knew. It's, it was an experiment. You, my, you, my, my worry that was that when we took it out, it was going to taste like just straight-up vinegar. And it has, like I said, it has a little bit of a vinegar yeah. quality, quality, but it you can still taste the beer there. I think it actually accentuates a little bit of the Saison character, the, the black Saison that it started out its life as. Um, didn't actually have as much Saison character to me as this version of it does, which is really weird to think about. Um, I love how it hits all these different places in my mouth and in the throat and everything, too. You get yeah. you get some heat, but just enough that it starts to, to, to yeah, get that little, part of your, your, your throat tickle. going. You know, it's like a it's, tickle. It's a fun beer. That, yeah, so I'm, I'm super, super proud of that one. And, and again, it was it was it was just kind of praying to the beer gods. Hey, this is either going to work or it's not. And you know, I had this idea in my head that I think it would work. I actually was trying to source hot sauce barrels a couple of years ago to try to do some experiment with. They're when you know they talk about spirits barrels and stuff like that, getting wine barrels, getting hard to get. A hot sauce barrel is like the holy grail. I mean, they just don't do they, exist. Do they reuse those? They, re, they reuse them until the staves so fall it's kind out. It's kind of like tequila, where they just—they're so hard to get because yeah. they just, they use them until they fall apart. Yeah. Um, well, and if you did get other hot sauce barrels, would it ever be the same? No, is it some no kind absolutely of not. So other factor there that was. Well, the thing about this was, you know, because it was a, it was a, basically a homemade hot sauce that Orkins made. They made about. 10 years worth of hot sauce because I mean they have a bourbon you know they're one place yeah they're a big place but they're one place they made they didn't com- they didn't completely fill the barrel so, somewhere there's made, a room they made they made yeah. they made like 20 to almost 30 gallons worth of hot sauce for one big restaurant it's gonna take you a little while to go through now granted it'll, it'll keep forever and it'll be fine but it's like it's not like they're gonna be making one of these every year and I can get the barrel that's and reproduce such a this. funny thing for a restaurant to to make themselves too because like it's never gonna really be featured in a dish it's never gonna be the centerpiece it's never gonna be the star of what they're doing it's that's why they're a five that's the only five diamond rated restaurant in the state of Ohio it's impressive that's stuff. the kind of level of commitment that they have to what they do well and and um, Got to give a shout out to, to Nine Giant too. When we talk to them, that's kind of the way they do 
their kitchen too. So if they want mayonnaise, they make mayonnaise. Now oh, it's yeah, not yeah, on yeah. not on that kind of a scale, but um, I, you know, it's it's that that kind of craft beer mentality where it's like, if we can, why not? You know, like why? Well, I'm not gonna go buy Heinz ketchup if I can make some ketchup. Exactly. So yep. Yep. It's fun stuff. All right, let's take a break. Yes. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to taste any of these other beers after that, but. Um, we're going to keep drinking, and we'll be back. Cincy Brewcast, the I'll voice get you some water. of Cincy Craft. Hi, Mike Cisneros here with a word about Brewhouse Dog Bones. By now, craft beer fans all over Cincy know the distinctive brown paper sack with the big red bone. You've seen it in great breweries like Mount Carmel, Listerman's, Rheingeist, Eight Ball, Braxton, and more. At just five bucks a bag, you know you can't find a more healthful or delicious treat for your best friend made from spent brewery grains, organic eggs, peanut butter, and brown rice flour. But did you know that Brewhouse Dog Bones is an educational program for developmentally disabled teens and young adults? It's available through the New Richmond, Cincinnati Public, Fort Thomas Public, Sycamore, Oak Hills, and many more school districts across Southwest Ohio and Northern Kentucky. For more information on where to find Brewhouse Dog Bones or how to get your developmentally disabled loved one or your school district involved in the Brewhouse Dog Bones program, contact Lisa Graham at area code 513-520-0310 or visit www.brewhousedogbones.com. Give your dog the craft experience with Brewhouse Dog Bones. Um, I look at I look at the Bud Light drinkers out there as a you know a forest and harvested. They're all out there and, and they don't know any better yet, but they will. You don't you don't ever hear somebody say, Yeah, I used to drink that craft beer crap. But I <laughs> I went back to my Bud Light. You don't hear that, do you? No, you don't. You're listening to Cincy Brickcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Hi fans, I'm going to tell you about the new apparel supplier to Cincy Brewcast, Pastura Screen Print. Mario Pastura has built his family business with the craft beer movement in mind. They've done custom items for Old Firehouse, Listerman, and many more. Screen printing to embroidery, Pastura Screen Print has the answers for your custom apparel and marketing needs. Contact Mario or any of the pros at Pastura Screen Print at 513-550-2271 by email at pastura.screenprint at gmail.com and coming soon at www.pasturascreenprint.com. The craft of custom apparel is Pastura Screen Print. Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. We're back. It's got left us, but that's okay. He's back. He's He's back. Um, So we were just sitting here talking about some of our upcoming shows, and um, we've got the Brewers Open coming up very soon, and I'm really, really excited about that. (laughs) They sold out all of their um, their their two man teams, so there's gonna be a ton of people and a ton of beer. I'm actually kind of concerned about what our show is going to sound like at the end of the day after literally drinking all day then setting up and doing a show from a beer tasting is maybe you should record early <laughs> well do that first the, the show starts at like the, i mean the, the the event starts like i don't know 
Do you know what time it starts? No. I think it's early. No, yeah, and I just I just found out that I have a we've got like four people out of work that day because it's like it's the like three days before our new bar opens. So like I think I'm probably gonna have to dip out by like three or so, but still I think it starts like ten AM or eleven or something. You're gonna like, dip out? You're gonna leave me to do that crazy drunken show by myself? <laughs> oh hell. I'm sure somebody will step oh, in. Hell. I was gonna say if I if I had a, if I had a choice. Trust me, I tried to request off, but you know how it is. So anyway, um, okay. Yeah, so s- since the you open. the brewers open, we've got um, we've got the live at Great Crescent coming up. Coming up, and that's tentative. I've got it written down, but that's not actually going to be the date. Oh, okay. Um, so that's coming up in a few weeks, which we've been trying to get out there forever. Yeah. Um, I've started talking to a certain brewery about doing a barrel show that's going to be really cool that I can't wait to tell you about after. After the show, after we get off the air, I'll uh-huh. tell you about it. But that's going to be really awesome. That's called a teaser. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, it, was, it was more like, this could be cool. Could we do this? And I said, oh, yeah, we could totally do that. So that's pretty much the extent of that conversation. Uh, what else do we have on the calendar that's been booked? I don't know. It's going to be fun. we got some fun we stuff. we got a lot of good stuff coming up. Um, we may finally get a chance to sit down with Ryan Geist after yes. GABF. You know, they're very busy, and they're, it's very hard to talk to us. I, I it's hard for anybody to talk. <laughs> yeah, true. I, I, I have a lot I want to say about. Ryan oh no, guys. no, I don't mean it in a bad way. I just mean <laughs> no. I mean it. I mean it in a very bad there, way. There's a lot. There's, there's, there's I had a, to throw there's it a out. Lot of, no, there's okay. a lot of people doing a lot of stuff, and it's hard to, you know, find the person you need, and then they be available. We've just, we've literally been trying to get a show with Ryan guys set up for like what a year now. I mean, it's yeah, it's least. been a really really long time, and uh, whatever. whatever. Well, I mean, luckily it's not, it, it hasn't really seemed as if we've been hurting for material. So, That's I mean, true. it'd be one thing if we were like, oh my God, we have nobody to talk to. Please, Ryan, guys, return our emails. But well, we've got and plenty. And of I guess you, you could fill a year with just all the breweries and planning. So. Oh, yeah, That's absolutely. True. Well, yeah, we're, what, a, a year and a half in? And we haven't, a little, is it a little over a year and a half? Uh, no, just about a year and a half. March will be. In March, too. So, yeah. Um, and, yeah, if we hadn't had to talk to them yet, then, you know. We still haven't gotten to sit down with Tafts yet either. Yeah. Um, so that's one that's... Have they been ducking you or you just haven't uh, been able to put There's it together? There's just so L- much little going bit of both. on. Okay. No, a little bit of both. I might, right. I might be able to help you with that one. I've, I've got that one in planning. They. Okay. I know some pe- I know some people there. I can yell at them if you want me to. Uh, well, I, 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 we, we wouldn't say that. They at least that. return my emails, so the, it's happening eventually, but... Once they have something very big to talk about, they'll talk to us about it. They all are. That's, that's a little teaser for you. Yeah, I was going to say, well. <laughs> all right. We've well, all heard the rumors. I'm surprised. Well, yeah, I'm surprised. It, I'm surprised. Uh, never mind. That's a story for another day. Not the uh, talking shit portion. Uh, I, I no, was no, not, no, 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 no. It's hey, wait, not wait, talking wait, shit, wait, wait, especially wait. about tasks. Don't, I was not don't talking accuse shit. Me of, uh, don't accuse me of talking shit. I get enough of that on my own. <laughs> well, I feel, like if, I feel like if you were talking shit, Scott, it would be... We'd know you were talking shit. <laughs> well, we, so we, we, we appreciate how forthcoming you are with information always whenever we talk to you. I'm a little curious, not, not necessarily on talking shit, but let's, let's kind of talk about you know, competition in Cincinnati and how that's, how that's shifted and how that's changing. You've got a brewery now opening up very easily within walking. Well... Okay, so it's really easy to walk here from there. I don't know if I can make it up that hill so, or not. But. Yeah, they're a little bit uphill. So I would say 
you, you you can throw a ball from one to the other as long as you're throwing it from there to here because right. you get because you get the friendly roll downhill. Yeah, but or, you, or, you, or in golf parlance, we're like a nine iron away. You for a long time were kind of sitting out here, not necessarily by yourself, but you you know you were we're fairly isolated here. Yeah, you, know, it, you were you were kind of over here, close enough, but still far enough away that you were your own thing. You've got other people over here now that are that are opening up and kind of jumping in this area. Yeah, 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 yeah. How yeah. does that kind of in the hood? How does that factor in? I, I I assume that you still are not seeing yourself as in competition with Street Side or with Bad Tom. But I'm kind of curious more. Do you start to see like these small pockets of breweries becoming? competitive parts of town almost like if, if if somebody's going out on a friday or saturday to go drinking do they go to otr do they go to the, the east end do they go you know to the, the the central corridor you know like how is, is there anything to that or is that just my own mind kind of creating something i don't know um i don't know if it's your own mind or not only you can answer that question but uh <laughs> It's it's a very it's becoming a very kind of interesting time. So, you know, not to say that I've been around forever, of course, but you as, are one of the veterans. As well, I mean, as far as brewery goes, we are in the well into the older half of breweries in this town. So, even in our you know short four plus years of existence, and you know, for a good five plus years before that, I like to believe I was fairly tuned in to what was going on. So I've kind of got, you know, the history and I'm old enough. I do go back to the nineties when the first craft boom came and we had barrel house and main street and all those things. And that was when I was really kind of just first starting to get into it. So it was kind of at the end of all that, but I was here to see it all fall apart. Um, so I kind of live, I kind of lived through that. I wasn't in the, in the industry, but I was definitely studying the industry. Um, we're going to give you a new brewery startup quiz at the end of the show, too, to see how, how well you're into it now. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, so, you know, so i kind of seen a lot of that stuff. Not to say that, you know, oh, my God, that's happening again. It's not. Not to the same level, degree, and reasons and circumstances uh, that maybe it did in the late 90s, early 2000s. But no one will ever accuse me of being the ultimate optimist. Um, I like to believe prefer my, to call myself a realist. Most people would probably call me a pessimist, but it's just how I'm wired. It's how I, it's how I am. So when you talk about competition, I still don't believe that in certain respects, we're, you're, there's really still not a lot of competition between, between breweries. Now, what's interesting for somebody like us who started as a production-only facility, we kind of have a certain business model. And that business model, at least in the very beginning, was built completely around production only, no tap room, not open to the public, because it wasn't even because it just wasn't legal. It wasn't an option. Now, the tap room law changed, and that's what's really you know obviously driven all of the growth in Ohio in, in breweries. You can, I mean, you can you can you, know, you can follow the graph to the date almost. Well, we did we didn't start taking an exponential growth curve in the, in the creation of breweries until that happened. Um, which is fine. In the early days, it was like, all right, you know, the guys who already existed were like, all right, well, you know, we started our brewery in a weird warehouse in an odd part of town because it was cheap rent and who cares? No one's coming here anyway. Cheap rent, loading dock, high ceilings, which is exactly kind of how we were. We were, we are, I like to say we were officially the last brewery that started up in Cincinnati under 
that kind of this is how you do it kind of plan. Since then, you know, the taproom thing started. So all the guys that were existing in these spaces were like, all right, we're going to figure out how to shoe shoehorn a taproom in here. Now, it took us two years to do it, but we did. So we have a taproom. It's small. It's in a warehouse in a weird part of town. You know, it's so it's, it's kind of shoehorned into a building that was meant for production. What you're starting to, what you see a lot of now, and it's really kind of flipped the model of, of how you start a brewery in Ohio or in Cincinnati specifically, it's, you know, interchangeable. Now it's like, all right, well, now we can do this taproom thing. Well, the taproom thing is obviously a much more profitable enterprise than selling wholesale kegs and trying to fight for tap space, you know, at bars and restaurants around town. So most of the projects you see that have started in the last year plus and a really good portion of the ones I know of that are going to happen in the next year plus, not exclusively, but most of them, you know, they're very taproom focused, which from a business standpoint, you absolutely have to be now. But what changes is, okay, now you need to be taproom focused. That means you're not putting, you should not be putting your brewery in an odd ball warehouse with poor parking in a crappy part of town that doesn't have good access to whatever and whatever, whatever. So now, whereas, you know, I've got a 5,000 square foot warehouse that cost me quite honestly not very much. Now I'm looking at, okay, I'm going to start a brewery. I'm only going to be able to, to fit into maybe a 2,000 square foot space. But now because I want to be a tap room, I've got to start thinking about this as if it was a, a regular bar or a restaurant. So I need to be in a high visibility area. I need to be, you know, good street frontage, good parking, all these different things that make your rent now be per square foot. 10 times what my rent is the flip side of that is that's the places people now want to go so when it first started up and it was all these just kind of weirdo warehouse tap rooms it was kind of this cool you know kitschy kind of thing and, and this and that but you've kind of seen the evolution to where now it's really becoming you know more of a refined thing i mean you look at for instance woodburn brewery i mean the amount of money you know and and effort and experience just what they've done in, in that space to make that space look really, really beautiful is great. Five years ago, that was just completely unheard of. Number one, you legally couldn't do it, but even if you could legally do it, it'd be like, why would I spend as much money? And I don't know their numbers, obviously. But Why would I know. dedicate as much space, too? Well, exact, yeah. Why would I dedicate as much money as it would take me to build a 5,000-barrel production facility into a 1,000-barrel taproom? Well, the answer is you're going to make more money in that 1,000-barrel taproom. So, so where it used to be just like the taproom was kind of this just thing you kind of added on, and it was what it was, and it was this kitschy kind of thing. Now, that becomes really the basis of your business model, the core of your business model. So now... Instead of saying, okay, we're all breweries and we all kind of do our own thing and there's room for us all, now you start to see things become a little bit more competitive from a taproom standpoint because now you have to start thinking about it just like a bar and restaurant. On if a you, Friday night, you, you if, want if, me here drinking. If you open a bar on you know the corner of whatever and whatever, and then six months later, some guy opens a bar on the opposite corner, you know, is that good for you or is that bad for you? And it can. It, it depends on the corner. It depends on the corner. It can cut a lot of different ways. So, you know, when you when there's the whole, there's a lot of the, the old adages: the rising tide raises all ships, which is an absolutely true statement. But I've actually kind of recently created uh, an addendum to that. It's you know, the rising tide raises all ships until the bathroom starts to overflow. The bathtub, <laughs> the bathtub starts to overflow. Oh, I'm sorry, I just screwed that up. 
until the bathtub starts to overflow. Next thing you know, there's some of those ships laying on their side on the floor. Um, so it, it's becoming it's it's becoming more competitive. I think more so from the taproom side of things. There's still you know, especially if you're a packaging brewery versus non-pack. You know, do we have? At, there's do, there's also some truth to, to you know, with craft beer drinkers. We're very different than just a normal drinker that's going to a bar on a Friday night. Most craft beer drinkers go as many places as they can. If it's within, within an easy driving distance Certainly. of where they live, you're going to go to all of them now. So, so here's the more that opens, the more that gets diluted. Exactly. Though. So here, so here's kind of what you start to see happening. You know, when there's only six tap rooms in town, yeah, you have a very dedicated core of people that are very craft beer centered. Like, all right, we haven't been to this place in a while. We're going to go over here. We're going to go over here. And they kind of have a rotation of places they're going. Right. Well, when there's six places, that means one out of six nights they're drinking, they're at your place. You know, to use very you know simple math. Um, when there's 30 places to drink, now they're maybe coming to your place once every 30 times. But here's where it starts getting tricky. If they have to drive past six other tap rooms from their house to get to yours, suddenly you maybe not even be once out of 30. You're once out of six because now it's like. Now, all of a sudden, instead of being this novelty, there's literally one on every corner. And it's like, well, yeah, I know Blank Slate has good beer, but I know this other place has good beer, too. And it's a two-minute drive from my house, not a 20-minute drive from my house. So, yeah, every if I happen to find myself on that side of town and I happen to be you know, needing a beer, I'll go to Blank Slate. But if it's just Friday, I'm like, hey, what are we going to do? Well, we could you know, drive 20 minutes away or we could drive five minutes away in four different directions and hit six different places. Is that why packaging is still important? Um, for us, I think it is. So, I mean, to kind of get back to the original thing, uh, there is somebody opening a brewery up the street. I know them very well. I consider them friends. Um, you know, I have to, from a business standpoint, look at it one of two ways. This is a little bit of a developing neighborhood. You know, this isn't a, a this isn't OTR, obviously, by any stretch of the imagination. So I have to look at it one of two ways. You know, anything that brings more people to the neighborhood, you know, maybe we can kind of create our own little brewery district, if you will, here, and it, and it drives people to the neighborhood that weren't coming here at all anyway. And it's like, hey, we're going to go hit 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 Streetside, and then we're going to go hit Blank Slate because we can hit two places really, you know, really close together. So there's the whole theory that you know it's going to it's going to increase traffic to the area, which is only beneficial to everyone. I absolutely hope that's the case. The other side of it is, well, all the people who I would consider regulars who come here, they live reasonably close by and they come here on a very regular basis. Well, now are, are we going to see them half as often because now there's two places that are basically just as close. So now am I going to be splitting my regular business between us and another place? I don't know the answer to that question. It's going to be one of those two extremes or somewhere in the middle. Uh, for me, what I just have to kind of deal with is okay i have to be prepared for whichever one of those scenarios or whatever's in the middle so how do you be prepared for that sometimes you don't sometimes you sit and you lay awake at night staring at the ceiling wondering how it's all going to work um but you know there's other things you know you can kind of think through and it's like okay well what it does is it kind of makes us step up our game a little bit um you know the whole reason you're here is because we're starting to open on wednesday nights um, some of that is... That's at, not the whole reason we're here. We love well, you. but I mean, I mean, the whole reason we're here tonight, I guess, is because we're opening on a Wednesday night. Um, you know, we've been looking at adding hours for quite a while. Um, 
we've kind of gotten to a point where I was like, all right, we need to do it. Yes, because because of demand, because people want to come in. But also the other thing is I have to realize in the back of my brain there's going to be a brewery opening up the street. And guess what? They're going to be open on Wednesdays. They're going to be open on Sundays. So now it's almost like we need to kind of step up what we're doing right. to, to kind of keep up with the neighbors, if you will, uh, which is not a bad thing in any way, shape, or form. Because, um, you know, if it was up to me, we might not – be opening on Wednesdays you, and Sundays. Do you feel like you've spent a lot of time as a business keeping up with the the neighbors, whatever that has meant at the time? Um, not not really so much. And I'm, and I'm not saying like everything we do now is based off what the brewery up the no, 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 of course not. But you know, you have to take those things into consideration. Um, no, I mean, we really try to stay within ourselves because the, you know we can't compete at, at any level, however you want to even define the word compete. We can't compete with a Ryan guys. We can't compete with a Mad Tree. Um, There's levels where you can, though. But, well, just from a standpoint of just being, you know, known to every single person within a 200-mile radius, you know, having beer that's available at every single place in, within 20 miles of here that sells beer in any way, shape, or form. You know? And Boston. And, well, or, and we're <laughs> in Columbus or Dayton or, or Northern Kentucky, you know, whatever. Um, you know, we we're just not in a position to say, hey, because you can buy Mad Tree in Columbus, that means we got which, it. Which that means we got to distribute to Columbus I right have now. To, I have to interrupt for one second. If anybody from Jungle Gyms in Fairfield is listening, for God's sake, get the blank slate cans off of the Kentucky shelf and move it around the corner with the rest of the Cincinnati so breweries. Is it still there? Because I was told it was not there. I was told it, it was, was in... It was there as of yesterday. Yeah, wow. So... They need to do move you, do that, you actually so. think anyone from Jungle Gyms is listening? Oh, yeah. I know people from Jungle Gyms are listening. Okay. Well, then I won't say it. I don't know anybody that's that important. No. I. Right. I yeah. I actually I actually was – someone else told you've, me that. You've heard my theories on Jungle Gyms. So, I am not – Someone a, else told me I, that a I'm couple a of weeks Jungle ago. I'm a huge Jungle Gyms fan, and I hate Jungle Gyms. Someone else told me that a couple of weeks ago that we were, like, over by the Chicago breweries or something. Yeah, you're, so you're, I kind of sent word up the food chain, hey, what's up with that? And I had been – I was told that it was rectified, but I had not visually confirmed it myself. Yeah. So – but yeah, that would be certainly nice to actually be, you know, not at the disadvantage. Not to, of, not to jump sorry. topics or anything. Yeah, yeah sorry, yeah, yeah. Well, we could do that all day. That but, was my fault. Um, actually, you made me lose my train of thought. Well, that's now, okay. So. Let's take a break. Um, we'll be right back. Cincy Brewcast. Tina. Yes, the voice of Cincy Craft. There you go. You're invited to join us at the 2016 Brewers Charity Golf Classic, presented by Top Golf and Jake Sweeney Chevrolet, benefiting ProKids.org. This premier golf tournament will be hosted at the prestigious Four Bridges Country Club in Liberty Township. This two-man best ball scramble features over $100,000 in cash and prizes. The Brewers Charity Golf Classic tees off at 1 p.m. on Monday, October 3rd, 2016. Premium craft beer stations will be available on every third hole. Player registration ends September 25th. So get your best two-man team together and register online at www.brewersopen.com. You know, there's no need to be up time. <laughs> beer, beer is about having fun. The dream, the dream is definitely the fact that we went from homebrewing in a garage to where we are today. Right? That is, that is the dream. Where we go from here, we're gonna, we're gonna continue to figure out as we grow. Uh, we uh, and we don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. 
Can you have more fun with your clothes on? I don't think so. <laughs> You're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Hey everybody, we're brought to you by Brewer's Buddy, your best friend in brewing. Brewer's Buddy is the latest homebrewing system on the market. It's a patent-pending, gravity-fed, beer homebrewing platform made affordable for anyone who loves the craft of brewing beer. It's versatile, durable, affordable, and it's safe. You can follow them at Brewer's Buddy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can find out more about them at BrewersBuddy.com. Make sure you pre-order now at www.BrewersBuddy.com. Brewer's Buddy, your best friend in brewing. This is Steve Shaw. This is Eric Bosler. Hi, my name is Gamal Nagy. Hey, y'all. This is Sean Willingham. This is Brett Coleman-Baker. Hi, I'm Scott LaFollette. Hi, this is Evan Rouse. Cellar Dweller Craft Beers. Darkness Brewing. Rivertown Brewing Company. Permissible Brew Works. Urban Artifact Brewing. Blank Slate Brewing. Braxton Brewing Company in Covington, Kentucky. In Cincinnati. In Northside. In Hamilton, Ohio. Bellevue, Kentucky. Mar, Ohio. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast. Cincy Brewcast. And you're listening to Cincy Brewcast. The voice. The voice. The voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. We are losing Tina. She's got to go to her job that actually pays money instead of this one, which just seems to suck money out of you, which I guess you're very familiar with that, that thing. So, I only have one job, and it sucks money out of me, not two. <laughs> this, I don't know if this counts as a job. I, I tell my wife it's a job, but that gets really hard to justify sometimes when I'm going and hanging out at a brewery and drinking really fun stuff. So... My wife is, is pregnant. I told you before the show, my wife is pregnant right now. and It's made it very much harder to justify it because she can't drink. And so now she's getting really angry with me because I'm drinking all this fun stuff. And she just has to sit there and sip on root beer, which, yeah. you know, it's probably not very fun. But so Just wait till the kid comes. You'll, you'll meet him. He'll be strapped to my chest sitting at it's your a, bar. It's a boy? You know it's a boy? No. We don't, well, I know it's a boy. We don't officially find out anything until Monday. Okay. Next week. So did you just, like, say something you weren't supposed to say? No, I, I'm i the only one that knows. Okay, well, but, yeah, now anybody listening to this Well, knows. no, I, you're, you're, not, <laughs> you're, not, you're not catching my drift here. I'm the only one that knows because I'm putting it out into the universe hoping that it happens. Oh, all right, yeah, you're right. Okay. I totally I totally missed that. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, as of our next you episode, me. as of our next episode, I will tell everybody if he has let me down or not. Well, you know, <laughs> You can't think of the way, man. It's, <laughs> well, whether it's a boy, whether it's a girl, I can right now. As soon as it, if it comes out and it's a girl, then then I have to say, oh no, I was just kidding the whole time. I, I'm happy with whatever. <laughs> I will be happy with whatever. I was actually uh, sort of hoping for a girl, but we had a boy, and ever since that's happened, I'm like, yeah, I don't, you know, that whole thing. Oh, I kind of wish we had a girl. I've never said that since then. Yeah, I, I anticipate that that will be the case <laughs> if 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 that's what happens, but. What were we Anyways, that's well, a digression. That's definitely not beer-related. Um, although it's fun for me to talk about. It's probably not very fun to listen to. If anybody else wants to grab a microphone and sit down with us, have at it. <laughs> um, I'll try to see if I can uh, get our tapper manager, Allison, to maybe come over. So I, don't, I don't know where she's at at the moment. Okay. But it's, it's not a big deal. Um, so 
Hang on just a second. I'll, I'll get it. But you don't have to. It's not a big deal. You, you can yell. I'll turn your mic down. <laughs> so you guys can't see because we're not on Periscope, but he's sitting at the other table just flapping his arms around trying to get her attention. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. I thought it would be a lot easier than it's, it's not, been. It's but, all right. We, never mind. We've got a few Whatever. more minutes. We, so what were we talking about before? Um, just competition amongst other breweries or, you know, with other breweries. Um, let's, let's just, just to put a super quick bow tie, if you will, on that. Um, you know, there's a lot of breweries that have happened in the last year or two. There's a lot of breweries coming in the next year or two. Several different, you know, size, shapes, forms. Most of them are, but you know, most of them are basically trying to be, you know, your neighborhood tap room, which is right. great because, um, you know, that's, especially from a consumer standpoint, that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Uh, the big question is, you know, how, if there's enough people in your neighborhood to do the business you need to do, then great. Um, realistically, though, you know, you need to pull people from other neighborhoods. Right. Uh, if all those other neighborhoods also have all their own local neighborhood breweries, then, you know, you get to a point where it's like, all right, well, how hard is it to pull people from different places when, like I said, they got to drive past five other breweries to get to, get to yours? Um, so that's where it gets a little tricky. For us, um, that's really where the big decision to start canning came in. Um, if you look at kind of where we are from the volume standpoint, we have just finished an expansion, which is big for us, but at the end of the day is not a huge expansion. Um, by all rights, we probably shouldn't be packaging just based off the volume of beer that we make. Um, but, you know, I kind of see it coming. You know, tap, tap space is already getting harder. In, in the last year, it's gotten so much harder to sell draft beer. It's in just, you know, just in the Cincinnati area anyway. Right. It's, it's almost ridiculous. So, I've, you know, we had kind of really been working this for the, on this for a couple of years. We didn't take the decision lightly, but it's, you know, one of those things where it's like, all right, if we're going to continue to grow, this is kind of the natural extension. It's the thing we have to do. We have to start packaging. So we have to, st even though at first it's going to be only a little bit, it's going to kind of trickle out and all that, but uh, hopefully gives us the momentum, you know, to be able to keep growing and keep doing what we need to do. Um, and that's where I, you know, I worry a little bit for the future uh, as far as you know, it's great to be the corner, the corner bar, the corner, the corner brewery. But again, when we get to the point where every corner has a brewery, but how is that going to shake? Out? I feel like I feel like it's so it's so different for you. And I don't know how aware you are of kind of like where you sit in this 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 craft beer community versus some other brewery that you know exists that, that that makes great beer but like when when we get together and we talk to somebody that's just starting up or just opened or has been around forever and you, you talk about what they like and what they're drinking it's like we, we hear blank slate over and over and over again and i think that you know you can see article after article if you you know sit there and google blank slate of people talking about how how great the beer is how how unique it is, how different it is. You don't get that for everybody. You know, there's there's definitely some tap rooms that have some fun experiences, and there's some places that are making some really great beer. But I've ne I don't think there's any other place here in Cincinnati that gets people raving about the quality of what they do and the creativity of what they do as you do. And I I, I don't know if if like it's it's almost. I don't know if you're you, you're aware of that or if you see that or you you've almost kind of 
I don't want to say put yourself in the position, but you, you, you found yourself in the position of kind of being like this, this big brother kind of brewery to everybody else where you've helped so many people figure their shit out. You've helped so many people refine what it is that they do and why they do it and how they do it that there's almost some kind of built-in draw to this place even if it, it you know it doesn't always seem like that on a on a Friday or Saturday you know you're never going to get the crowd that Madre or Ryan guys does but people come here for very different reasons that they go to a Madre or a Ryan guys or the neighborhood place down the on the corner of them like it, I don't know. I Yo, no. I mean, first of all, thank you. Those are very nice. Oh, they're very, not coming for nice this. Is, this is other no, people's. And, 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 I, and, I, and I do hear that on occasion. And, and I, mean, I, 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 I do it. say that too. But. And, and, I, and I love it. And it's actually probably the thing that I am absolutely the most proud of um, is to have the respect of your peers. You know, when you, when you, I, I do hear the, you know, the story sometimes, you know, other breweries get asked who's your favorite brewery in town other than you, and a lot of people I could, say us. I could go through and play clip after clip on our show. Oh, no, no, no. That's, uh, and, I mean, and that's actually, you know, to have the respect of your peers is super awesome, and it's it's one of, if not maybe the uh, thing that makes me the most proud about what we've done here. Respect also doesn't buy stainless, though. Well, you said that, <laughs> not me. So... So, you know, the, the thing about it at the end of the day is when I started this business, you know, I really, you know, at, at kind of the soul and the core of what we are, it's like, look, we're not just going to be another quote unquote me too brewery. We're not just going to make, you know, a blonde ale, an amber ale, a pale ale, an IPA that tastes like every other IPA. In the winter, we'll make a porter that tastes like Edmund Fitzgerald and maybe we'll make some stout. And every now and then, maybe we'll make, you know, whatever, a Russian Imperial style or something. You know, I, I, I set out at the beginning to say we're not just going to do the same beers everyone else does. But I was also not um, foolhardy enough to think that because we were because we're not going to do normal styles and we're not going to do the same thing everybody else does, I always knew that meant we would not grow, you know, at the exponential rate that maybe some other breweries do. And you're, it was, ne- and it was the, never the plan. Everybody says they have a very slow and steady growth plan, and I think you're the only one that has actually had a slow and steady growth Yeah, well... <laughs> Well, I mean, when you're when you're laying the business out and you're laying the plan out, I, I believe that everybody does, for the most part, everyone does kind of say we've got this slow and steady growth plan. Now it's you know it's an interesting kind of dichotomy because you know all the people whose opinions I really respect, you know, have good things to say about us, and I love that. The if you want to flip it to the you know financial business side of things. That's great. That's gross. Well, that's that's great, <laughs> but I know exactly that you know all of that stuff is great, but what you're dealing with at that point is about you know five percent of the population, right. and you know the people who, who you know really know craft and really love craft, you know, I, I really think they dig what we're doing, and that's great. I love it. I would never ever trade it. From a financial standpoint, it'd be nice if a little bit of the other ninety-five percent kind of caught on. Um, we, like I said, we, we're in the older half of breweries in this town. We're over four years old. It, <laughs> Does that blow your mind in well, itself? Well, a, a little bit, yes. But but what really blows my mind is when you go to events, whether it's you know some craft beer festival or even if you look at like Oktoberfest last weekend. For the first time ever, we were actually at Oktoberfest. It was 
uh, something we decided to do because, again, we, we feel like we need to get our name out to more people instead of kind of keep, you know, talking to the same 5%. We need to get it out there. But e- even at craft beer events, you know, people will come up and they'll say, oh, Blank Slate, where's that located? And you'll say, you know, oh, it's down by Lunkin Airport. And they'll say, what, in Cin- here in Cincinnati? And you go, yeah, yeah. And they're like, well, I've never heard of you. You must be new. When did you start? And you say, well, four and a half years ago. And they go, wow, you know, I, I love craft beer and I've lived in this town all my life and I've never heard of you. I get told that probably 15 to 20 times a night at every local craft beer festival I go to. So it's one of those things where it's just, it's getting the word out there and, and how do you do that? And you know, it's that marketing side of things, which unfortunately I'm terrible at. Um, that's know, that's every, why people like us exist. Everybody's, you know, we, everybody's got to have their, you know, good points and bad points. So, that just means we it, need to do a better job. But well, no, I just mean it's it's one no, of those things where it's but just. That's, but that's to me, that's that that's it. You know, it's it. I don't want my breweries, and I know that the the world is very different than it was years ago or in the '90s or whatever you want to want to want to throw it out there. But the world, the craft beer world in this town is different than it was a year and a half ago. I don't, I don't, I don't want my breweries to have to worry about necessarily marketing themselves here in Cincinnati. That's crazy to me. Like, I feel like there should be so many other people that are doing that for them. Well, and, and honestly... But they don't have to. Yeah, like, it, and, and if you're going to Columbus or Cleveland or or Boston or wherever you are distributing, I, I get that you're going to have to do some kind of marketing there. And you're sure, gonna have to sure. Do some, they don't know you. Know, yeah. but, but here in Cincinnati, I feel like you you meet people every day that, that, that love your beer you meet people every day that they're like, oh, yeah, you know, this this place is opening up next week and, you know, my, my buddy's going to work there. So, you know, there, there's oh, yeah, there's yeah, these yeah. stories and people are, and there are the people you're sitting next to at a bar. Those are, you know, just, I, I, I don't know. It, yeah, it, no, I mean, and, and you're right. And like I say, you know, the more breweries that come online, the more all that begins to get diluted because now right. instead of, you know, I, the, one of the funny things was, so when we started in 2012, um, you could, you know, kind of track the breweries that had started. And every brewery that had started kind of got this, um, you know, window. Tina left almost a full beer, so I'm going to drink it. All right. Um, but you, you kind of always got this, like, window where, like, you were the new thing in town. So, you know, um, Rivertown opened in 2009. Um, Listerman opened in 2008, that was, you know, but and then the triple digit brand came online. I, they're gonna kill me if I get it wrong, but I believe it was around 2011, early 2012. That sounds right. But here's the thing: so when Rivertown started, and I'm just using this them as the example because this is the way the timeline works out. When Rivertown started, they got like a three-year time frame where they were the new brewery in town. So they got like a three-year. Oh, hey, have you tried that new brewery? Right. No one said, well, which one? They said, oh, have you tried that new brewery, Rivertown? They got that. They got that luxury, if you will, for two to three years almost. When I opened, Fifty West opened a month later. Three months after that, Mad Tree opened. Like another three or four months after that, Rheingeist opened. And then it's just it was it's just been a constant parade. So so my um, honeymoon period, if you will, as being the new brewery in town, lasted a month. Well, so so a lot of that momentum you get as a brand is really born in that first period where. You know, hey, you're the new, you're the cool new thing in town. Well, now you can even look at it as, you know, two months ago, Nine Giant opened, and all I saw on my social media feeds for like two or three weeks was people going to Nine Giant, checking this out, checking out, you know, checking this out, taking pictures, just taking pictures. Oh, hey, just went to this place, awesome, great, well, wonderful. Then three weeks after that, Woodburn opened. 
or four weeks, whatever the number was. Right. And then all I saw on my social media feed for two or three weeks was people taking pictures. Hey, we're at Woodburn. Oh, this is great. This is awesome. It's wonderful. I don't see nearly stuff that I used to see about Nine Giant now that Woodburn's open. Now And now it's the next thing, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one. So you don't get this kind of period where, hey, you're the new cool yes. thing in town, and that and that's what gets people out is like, oh, well, let's go try the new thing. And that's great. If you've got two years where you're the new thing, a lot of people are going to come try you, and you can really build a, a core base real quick. When you're the new thing in town for a month, and then the next new thing comes, it's like, hey, great, we went to that place, now what's next? It kind of almost, it even kind of almost ties into like the just ADD right. nature of us as a society and anymore. The, it's the, like, all right, I tried that place, now what's next? Promiscuous nature of a craft beer drinker. And the promiscuous where, nature of a craft beer drinker. So, but all you're doing is feeding that promiscuous nature where it's like, it's you know, take a drug addict and give them the drug, right. and you're only going to make them a bigger addict. Are you, you know saying I mean? you're feeding us drugs? <laughs> no, but I'm, no, but, but I'm just saying, so, you know. so, so put that into to perspective with your neighbors up the street at Streetside where... You know, they are opening their doors on October 7th now. Mm-hmm. Fig Leaf up in Monroe is opening their doors on October 8th. Like, that's, I think this is the first, th- their dates were originally the same date. And, yeah, and, and, you know, that's maybe a little bit different just because of the kind of regionality of it. You know, they're not, you know, I don't know. in the same city. I, oh, you're right. It very well may have an effect. I don't know. Um, I'm not 100% for sure, just kind of in the city proper, if you think about it that way, who's going to be the next one to open. Um, there's a couple that might be in the running. I think I probably know who it'll be. But, but you know, so just even if you just look at Cincinnati proper, uh, street side up the street, they're probably going to be the next newest brewery in town for probably no more than three or four or five months before the next thing comes along. Just in the city proper. And, yeah, Fig Leaf is, uh, is an interesting, and I, I know a couple of those guys, uh, so I don't want this to come off incorrectly. I don't know much about their plan. Uh, what I've seen and what I've heard of it is that they're planning to go pretty big. The interesting thing about that brewery, which I'm really curious to see how it plays out, is they've taken a very interesting approach as far as, all right, we're not a Dayton brewery. We're not a Cincinnati brewery. Oh, we're in the middle. Now, if you think about that, like, logistically, that's great. You're in between the two. You can service the two equally. What I wonder about is the big thing with breweries is having that sense of place. Right. Um, and you can even look at it here in Cincinnati. You know, you're a Cincinnati brewery, and people in Cincinnati love you. If you're a northern Kentucky brewery, you might as well be 400 miles away. <laughs> It's just it's just the way it is. Oh, and, and and I did a as show far, as far as with getting fig leaf probably um, maybe a month ago or so, and I kind of talked about that a little bit and and, and kind of touched on that a little bit. I, I asked him, so when Cincy Beer Week kicks in next year, where what does that leave you guys at? You know, like are are you a Cincinnati brewery? Said, well, you know, yeah, we we consider ourselves part of Cincinnati. And I said, well, are you are you a Dayton brewery? Well, yeah, you know, we consider us. And it's so, like a, eventually. Can, it's you, either, can, it's you ha- can you have it both ways? That's the question. And that's in, and from a consumer standpoint, I, I wonder if it's going to be the people in Dayton are not going to are going to consider him a Cincinnati brewery. Right. The people in Cincinnati are going to consider him a Dayton. Well, and that's brewery, I consider which him would a, be which would be the worst of both. I worlds consider him a Cincinnati brewery. I you know I've got this forty mile radius from Fountain Square that I kind of play yeah. with a little bit. That you know you've got places like Quarter Barrel up in Oxford and. And see, nobody in well, now granted, it's very, very small, but no one since no one has since Great what that Crescent, is. Great Crescent, you know, kind of the same distance. And They're great, out and, there by themselves. And Great Crescent's really not considered a Cincinnati brewery. Yes, they are. 
not not <laughs> in well, my well, in my know, 40 mile correct, no, correct. but i'm just saying you know do a survey of quote you know quote unquote but so, quote unquote a survey of 100 craft beer drinkers in cincinnati and 90 of them will and 90, 95 of them will say, say i don't even know who that is what are you talking about old firehouse how many miles from cincinnati are they versus that's what, well see that's where it starts to get Craig weird Crescent. exactly but that's where it starts to get weird and and honestly I, you know, when your people are talking about Cincinnati breweries, just in general, and I'm talking general people in general terms, of course, you know, I don't know a lot of people that mention Old Firehouse because it's kind of way out there in the sticks. I know people that don't, and this is being a little bit extreme about, there's some people who don't really consider Mount Carmel a Cincinnati right. brewery. Because it's cool. Well, because if you if you, I live if, in you Butler if you County. if you live your life in downtown, Mount Carmel's the sticks. That might it, it might as well be West Virginia as far as they're concerned. There's a lot of people that would get angry at me if I said, if I said, oh yeah, I'm from Cincinnati, because I live in Butler County. I'm not from Cincinnati. Yeah. I'm I, I live in Fairfield. Fairfield yeah. is its own city. It exists out way out there for them. You know, the yeah. Municipal Brewers in Hamilton, right there. So many people don't consider that Cincinnati. A lot of I, people wouldn't. Yeah. I, and, and and I think it basically just comes down to down to okay, if I live in Cincinnati, the things I consider Cincinnati are the things that I go to concentrate. So. If I live wherever I live in Cincinnati, say I live, well, okay, personally me, I live on, on the very almost extreme eastern edge of Cincinnati. I am actually in the city limits. I live in Mount Washington. Um, you know, I occasionally might go to like the Micro Center Mall in Tri County. So that's kind of in my sphere of influence, if you will. I would consider that Cincinnati. It's technically inside the loop. Yeah, yeah, and you can, you, you can, you <laughs> no, can, no, wait, no, it's on no, the other side. It's well, technically yeah, right I outside mean, the loop. You can use the loop. You can use the loop as kind of the the denominator in that equation if you want. But you know, at the same time, I don't ever go to like Harrison. Right. If you ask me, is Harrison? If, if for me, Harrison's not part of Cincinnati. Like, now nah, that's basically Indiana. I don't really care. So it really kind of comes down to where a person's located and, and how far out they spread themselves in kind of their daily life. If you, if you live in Mason and you never go downtown, you say, I live in Mason. I don't live in Cincinnati. If you live in Cincinnati and you never go to Mason, you say, Mason, yeah, that's, I don't know, where, where is that? Is that near, is that, is that near, yeah, is it Dayton? Is it Columbus? Whatever. Um, I grew up out past, it's funny how it's just changed over time. So I grew up out past the Kings Island area. This is many years ago, obviously, it's now. Cellar dweller country. Yes, actually. Um, I can tell fun stories about that place, actually, growing up. Um, <laughs> Uh, have you ever, did you ever hear the story about how it caught on fire a couple times? No. <laughs> okay, well, never mind. That's a story for another day. That's another um, show we actually need. We've never done a show yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. We've had well, him on I the was, show. Though. So my parents... Uh, I was going to make quick, a note to ask him about how su- it caught on fire super, a couple Super quick, t- uh, five seconds. Um, my parents are, were volunteer firemen because out in that area when it was really rural, everything was volunteer. Spent their whole lives. I grew up in a firehouse. Um, when I was very young, when there was fire, a big fire, the place, I mean, the place basically burnt to the ground. I don't remember what reason was, whatever. But, and this is the 80s. Um, when there was a big fire, my mom would literally put me in the back of our van. She would drive to the fire scene herself with her gear, and I would be parked in a van, like, you know, far enough away, obviously, I wasn't going to burn up. And I'm like, you know, five, six years old, and I'm just staring out the back window of this van in the middle of the night in, like, the middle of winter watching a building burn. And one of those was that place. Anyway. That's crazy. That's a funny long story. But that's where I grew up. But in that, in those days, it was very rural. So when people asked you. Wait, in those days, it was rural? <laughs> I mean, it was rural for a long way. Mason was, Mason was not an incorporated city at the time. Right. Um, 
So in those days, when someone asked you where you're from, you said Cincinnati. Because right. if you said I'm from Morrow, they'd say, well, what is where? What is that? Where is that? You know. So you would say Cincinnati because it was the closest thing anyone knew of. And that's how it kind of used to always be. Now, all of a sudden, it's kind of switched where everything is always hyper-local. And you'll get people that are like, if you ask them where you're from, they'll say, I'm from Mason. I'm not from Cincinnati. I'm from Mason. Or I'm from even, Westchester. Or even, I'm from Fairfield but even, or whatever. Even more than that, if you ask people around here where they're from, it's it's neighborhoods. It's like these really, really hyper It's Pleasant Ridge or it's Oakley yep. or it's, you know, it's... In 20 years, all those people would have just said, I live in Cincinnati. Right. So it's just, it's it's just interesting how you know society has changed over the years, and, and you know it's great. You know people want to do more things and be more about their neighborhood, which is awesome. Which ties back into the neighborhood brewery thing. And you know, like I said it's a great thing. It's just you know if if you have if you have a neighborhood brewery and you need you know a thousand people a week to come through your brewery, and you're in a neighborhood that only two hundred people live in, eh, that's going to be tricky right. in the long term. In theory. In theory. I'll, everything I say is in theory because it's, you know, well, and that's, you, you, know never, you never know until it happens. You, you, so. you see these neighborhoods. I love being proven wrong, too. You know, it, who would think that a brewery in Mount Healthy could exist? But True. if you go nano and you you do things the quote-unquote right way, it can work. And you can you can create something that's very different and very, mm-hmm. very much unique to what this this craft beer community absolutely can yeah. be now yeah and you know there's you kind of can you know get into the definition of what do you consider it works too because there's and i'm not speaking specifically with right. any knowledge of anybody's operations or anything but when you look at it in terms of you know the nano thing it's like well, right no i mean we you, can you can you can start a nano brewery and for them, and again speak, we'll, speaking we'll talk generalizations about, we'll, we'll talk but, about dogberry dogberry was a nano brewery when they opened and it got to a point where they said, you know what, we, we, we're nano no more. We can't do it. We have, to, we have to be bigger if we want this to keep working and to keep making it make sense. Exactly. We so, can't keep up. And what's fun, exactly. And what's funny, I don't know if funny is the right term, but when you look at, and they're a very good example. Uh, again, nothing against them, but you know, when you look at how they started, when they were first starting up, all the stories that came out, and it was basically, hey, it's these two stay-at-home dads, and they were brewing. And, you know, they just wanted to start this little thing. And, you know, they still wanted to be able to go to their kids' soccer games and all those kinds of things and this and that. So they wanted to keep it super small, blah, blah, blah. Great. It's, you know, that's, that's a lofty, wonderful goal to have. And then it's whatever, a year and a half, two years, whatever it is later, and all of a sudden it's like, well, now we're going to build a big brewery down the street and we're going to do all these different things. It's like, okay, well, what changed? Number one, well, so what? So what changed from what you originally thought you were going to do? Have you have you decided that you know what this is this is going really well? We've got you know we're still able to do all the things we want to do with our lives, and we got a little time left over. So yeah, let's go ahead and try to make this thing bigger. Maybe I don't know. Again, it's, I don't know. The I answer. do know. So it's a little different. It was it was more of we almost need to miss the soccer game to get back to the brewery to make exactly. more beer. Exactly. But here's the thing, and this is the, the little bit of the worry I have, is when I first originally read that thing, and it was like the original stories about them, like they're going to be this nano thing so they can keep it small and still see their kids do all stuff. My immediate reaction to that was, yeah, good effing luck with that. You're never going to be able to do that. So if you're at that point where you're like, hey, we need to get bigger so that we can have more free time, that if that's the reason, then they're in for a rude awakening. Because when you get bigger, 
the problems get bigger. The problems get more numerous. The things you have to deal with on a daily basis get more and more numerous. Um, you know, I'm here all the time. I, you know, I'm in charge of 100% of what happens well, in this place. But here's you the had thing. A, you had a really great quote. And while you keep talking, I'm going to pull it up. Well, I'll just say, so, so here's the thing. is you know, My life was pretty complicated with all the things we had going on here, right? And then you know, I had to go and complicate my life and have a kid, which is great. But that makes things even more complicated. Then I had to go and complicate it even further and say, hey, now we need to start packaging our beer. <laughs> now I'm at a point where I am... So I used to be, I, I, I always equate like how rough my life is in terms of how far behind on email I am. So when we were just a little seven barrel brewery doing some draft here and there, I was never more than a day, maybe two behind on emails. Um, then we get a little bigger. Eh, now we're two or three. Years. I am almost a month behind on email right now. And that, <laughs> so and that start, I need to get a hold of you, don't email and that's, you. Well, and that started literally the day that we started canning. So it's as you get bigger, you think, okay, well, now we can make more beer, so I'll have more free time. It, unfortunately, it's not how it ends up working out. The other flip side of it is, you know, you worry that, and again, this is not to say that this is the reason for anybody or anything, but the thing about it is, and I know this because basically when we started, we essentially were a nano. We were a seven-barrel nano, if you want to think about it that way. Um, the tricky part being, okay, you know, you can do what you're doing, run it yourself, be small, do all those things, and you know you can break even. I mean, I, I'm very proud to say that you know I started this business with mostly my own money and a very small bank loan, and, and the business itself was breaking even within eight months of its start date, which is almost unheard of. But it's because I was able to do it with a very, very low startup right. budget, a lot of work myself, all that stuff. Blah blah blah. Um, here's the thing: I'm four and a half years in. Guess what this business does on a daily basis? It still barely breaks even. It's been four and a half years, and I've still not earned myself a paycheck. And I, 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 I worry, and I've, I've fallen down this trap a little bit myself, where it's like, all right, you're looking at the numbers. You're like, you know what? If we could just make a little bit more beer, we'd get over the hump, and I could finally start paying myself. And then, you know, you got to, there's some cost involved, obviously, in doing that. There's, so a, you, there's a big topic so you, there about so, a brewery selling so, out and stuff like that, well, that we could go down I'm that rabbit even, hole, I'm too, not even though. talking about I'm talking on a, on a, on a much more smaller and personal scale than that. So it's like, all right, we need to get a little bit bigger so we can sell a little bit more beer, and then I think I'm going to finally be able to make a paycheck. So you do what you got to do to go figure out how to get bigger. You bring that in. You start doing it. And guess what? You're still not earning a paycheck. So you do this, and you do this. And you do this. Next thing you know, you're almost chasing it. To well, where it's like, to where it's like, I'm four, I'm four years in this, and I look at it right now. I don't actually see a path to where I'm ever going to earn a paycheck. Well, and that's and that's a big thing. So you know that whole you know I'm a nano brewery and I'm doing it for the love and the passion of it is great, and it's a very noble goal. But eventually, that's not enough to get up for the 14th day in a row at six in the morning and go do this and this and this and deal with you know people calling you up trying to sell you this or trying to sell you that or eat calls from the distributor this is messed up all all the different things that are like you know not the fun part of what you got into brewing for the quote i was the quote i was looking for and this was you know a little over a year ago when we sat down with you that first time you said most people start a brewery because i love making beer and i want to do it for a living the fact of the matter is as an owner that's the last thing you do is make beer there's so many other things you do on a day-to-day basis if that's what you want to do, get a job in a brewery. Don't start a brewery. <laughs> and and I, I mean, I double down on that statement. I mean, and, I mean, there's days, and I, I don't want to. But that's that's I don't also. Want, I don't want to say this to be provocative in any way, shape, or form, and it's more of a you know theoretical argument. 
But there's days where I'm like, you know what? If somebody walked in the door and said, how much does it cost you to just walk away from this place and was willing to give me that exact amount of money, I'd have to seriously, seriously consider doing it just to, you know, to be able to walk away clean, so to speak, and then go just get a job at some brewery making beer and doing the actual part of the job I enjoy and not having the stress and the issues and the hassles and the day-to-day of that's all also, the stuff that's not beer related. That's also why, as an industry, you know, brewers and brewery workers kind of make shit money still, too, is because breweries, like, are this, this, this weird industry that is so successful, so, so booming right now, so popular right now, and everybody's kind of in that same boat. Everybody is chasing this, this, this bigger picture and trying to, trying to find that, that point where you can exist and still like have that dream and still and day to day like you know yep. and it's a it's a weird kind of it's and tough. that's and that's it's the tough. that's the it's stuff that none of these people myself oh, yeah, yeah, included course, think course, about yeah. none of us think about I mean, that and what you're seeing now which is kind of you know interesting again if there's always a new wrinkle you know for years and years and years you know when i was learning how to kind of start and get going especially in this town it was everything was bootstrap you know you had mount carmel was a bootstrap operation you had rivertown was a bootstrap operation listern was a bootstrap that was how you did it because no one was just going to walk in and say here's a bunch of money start a brewery so you had to really work for it and do all these things yourself and bootstrap and nickel and dime to really get going get established there are guys now that are starting up that still take that mentality and that's that's great that's fine but what's getting really interesting is now you're starting to see, and this is just generalization, I'm not speaking about anybody in particular, but now you're starting to see, because now it's this cool thing, and all of a sudden, you know, they're talking about it on investment shows and things. Now, all of a sudden, people with more money than sense are saying, hey, I want to start a brewery. Here's, you know, I found this home brewer who's been brewing for six months. I'm going to invest $2 million in and we're going to go build a big-ass cool brewery somewhere. That's now what you're starting to see happen. Five years ago, that just right. didn't exist, did not exist. It was a pipe dream if you even wanted to think about it. Now it's starting to happen. And that's where it starts to get really interesting because now it's like, well, you know, when I was starting this place, again, I did, you know, 12 years worth of work and research and learning, blah, 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 just to get to the point of bootstrapping an operation. If when I went to, to start this place, someone said, well, here's $2 million, do whatever you want, I'd have been scared to death because I could have, I mean, I, Anybody can blow through $2 million. The trick, the thing is, you know, if you're starting with $2 million, you better be making $3 million in the first year or so or else somebody's going to be pissed. Well, and, that's, and, and that's what I worry about is you've got a lot of guys, you know, when you're bootstrapping, it's your own money and this and that. you got a lot of room along the way to, to screw stuff up and learn as you go and be able to survive but it. But you, you see places that, you know, like Dogfish Head, who have been around forever, hugely successful. You can't argue that they're not the pinnacle of what people strive to be in craft beer had to take on private equity and they oh, we're, we're going to buy it back you know that's our plan is to, to get out of it and to but you still need money to hit some kind of th- like and and where does that end does does it end it in never ends here? that's the thing it never ends even with like like you say with the dogfish head you know if they okay they did a private equity thing if they end up buying all that back to where they get 100 percent of the company back you know, it wouldn't be surprising to see within a couple of years after that they turn around and sell a hunk of it off again because now they have to get you know get right. get bigger again or do whatever. And it's you know at the end of the day it becomes a business and that's you know but on the, right, on wrong the, or indifferent. That's on the, what on it is, the smaller so. quote unquote scale here in Cincinnati, like is there that point where things can settle and kind of 
find some kind of equilibrium where people aren't trying to. Oh, of course. I mean, the, you know, the world always finds an equilibrium. I mean, everything, everything will work itself out eventually. And, you know, and I don't mean to sound doom and gloom about it because I'm really not, even though it probably sounds that way. You know, there's going to be breweries open. There's going to be breweries that fail. There's going to be, you know, we're going to be on a meteoric rise for a while, but it, it will eventually level out, and you know, it'll probably still grow, but just at a much slower rate. But you know, at some point in time, there has to be some contrition. Something's going to have to give. Is that happening in two months? Is it happening in six months? Is it happening in six years? I don't know the answer to that question. Nobody knows it. We'll know it when we when we see it. We'll know it when we get there. Um, so really, the thing is, you know, it's going to happen at some point. So how do you prepare yourself to be one of the guys that quote unquote survives it if and or when it happens? If you plan for that and it never happens, great. So what? If you don't plan for it and it then happens, it's going to get you. Right. Um, so you know, there's I, I'm still even sometimes amazed at some of the things that have managed to hang on as long as they have. Um, and I'm, you know, sometimes amazed that things that I didn't think would were all that great of an idea starting up have now grown and blossomed much more than I So, you know, I'm no expert in any of this, of course, you know. So things I think aren't a good idea, apparently a lot of other people do, and it, you know, does great things, you know. And, and so, it, so it works both ways. But, you know, it's... It, at some point, it's going to need to contract a little bit, and it's going to suck for whoever gets gets the short straw, so to speak. But it's unfortunately going to be at some point necessary for the, you know, for the growth of everything, just holistically, if you will. Well, let's end on a positive note. Yes. Um, your neighbors down the street are opening up, and Absolutely. I, f- I feel like I can't that's wait. going to be nothing but a good thing. I, I very much hope it is. We should talk to Sean Willingham since he just walked. Actually, I think he just flew in. Yeah, judging he, by the way he, he just got off the chopper. <laughs> I think he landed on the roof. So no, he didn't land on this roof, or else we'd be <laughs> we'd be in our lap. So they're opening down the street. I think it's going to do nothing but good things for for you and for this area. And like you said, people aren't walking back uphill, so they're just going to keep sliding down the hill here. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, Kathy said she was going to try to make it down here, and obviously she got a little busy up there. They're um, kicking in hardcore trying to get oh, everything yeah, yeah, done. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, we got to give them a shout-out, and everybody has to get out there on the 7th. I think yep. it's the 7th. Friday uh, is when they open at 4. Something like that, yeah, yeah. And I then, think there might be some soft openings before that, but I don't know if everyone's supposed to know that. Yeah, I don't know so. if we're supposed to talk about it. but um, Well, then I didn't say They that. definitely open on the 7th, so... Everybody get down there. Everybody get down here. It's a blank slate. Um, I there's some really, really, really cool stuff being made here. Get here while I turn for the worst is on tap. <laughs> and, and try it with relish. Even I'm gonna drink. I'm gonna drink a relish one here before I leave. So, um, honey, I'll be home soon. Thank you guys for listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs>